Thanks for joining Impact Boom. On this episode... The current market or models that are being offered, people are very extractive and people want to move towards a more distributive outcome. We've heard a lot of conversation around this at the Social Enterprise World Forum already, Tom, and that idea of a distributive economy is starting to catch on. Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. My name is Tom Allen, and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today, we're here with Melina Morrison. Melina Morrison is an experienced cooperative leader, working for more than two decades in the cooperative and mutual movement. Melina was the driving force behind the formation of the Business Council of Cooperatives and Mutuals, or BCCM, in 2013, which is the peak body for cooperatives in Australia after heading Australia's Secretariat for the International Year of Cooperatives. As CEO of the BCCM, she has led the movement to historic achievements. Her campaign for access to capital resulted in new laws and more than $350 million released into Australian cooperatives and mutuals since 2019. She's campaigned for increased awareness of cooperatives for their vital role in socio-economic development in communities, both here in Australia and abroad. And we're recording here today at the Social Enterprise World Forum 2022 in Brisbane. Melina, it's an absolute pleasure to have you join us. Thanks so much for coming along and sharing your insights. Thanks, Tom. So kicking things off, Melina, what was it that led to this passion in both social enterprise and cooperatives? Well, first of all, I'm just going to call your role in getting this event going and along with your other collaborators. Amazing buzz here. I'm delighted to be able to talk to you as well as being here and speaking at this conference. One of the things I'll be talking about is how I started thinking about how you use business for good when I started writing about cooperatives. It was literally through the experience of storytelling. I realised there's this incredible opportunity, not only to use money for good, but that business itself can contain both its commercial success and its social good or its social impact Mm. if the structure works. And look, that storytelling really led to an obsession. Now I've been doing this for more than 20 years and I'm still as passionate today. Wonderful. And so tell us more about the purpose of the Business Council of Cooperatives and Mutuals and the projects you're involved in. We've heard about this amazing amount of capital that you've really helped drive into the sector. Tell us more. That's the enabling side of things, really. We set this council up because there was a need to shine a light on this overlooked part of the social enterprise sector. There are more than 3 million cooperatives in the world and there's about a billion people Mm. who are cooperative members. It's a really ubiquitous model that's been going for a couple of centuries. And in fact, if you look back at the First Nations people have always cooperated around the sustainability of their livelihoods, the idea of cooperating together to ensure the success of your own community is 
from the beginning of time. We set up the council because this sector is largely overlooked. So the first thing is it's a kind of public relations exercise. The second thing is that in order to allow cooperatives to grow to their fullest potential, you've got to look at what might be holding them back. There's a principle here which is just make it as easy or not more difficult to set up a cooperative if that's your chosen model than any other type of social enterprise model. It's about parity of treatment. Thirdly, we needed to encourage more cooperation amongst cooperatives. That is a global principle. There are seven of them and it's the seventh principle. And to do that, you have to bring cooperatives together across their traditional industry silos. We're a cross-sectoral council and that's really important. We have ag cooperatives sitting alongside mutual banks and credit unions sitting alongside social cooperatives, housing cooperatives, Indigenous First Nations, cultural cooperatives. But we also have the big health insurers, even the superannuation funds that are mutuals, a member owned, a part of this broad church of cooperatives and mutuals. It's an amazing movement. And I think that within the sector, there can be confusion around, hang on a second, I'm a social enterprise. No, I'm a cooperative. No, actually, no, we're both social enterprises. So for the audience, what is it that is unique about the cooperative model? And are cooperatives social enterprises? The first thing to say is this shouldn't be a competition. What is the purpose of your business is really what determines how social it is. Even more in this day of all businesses talking about their ESG, environmental, social and governance and their stakeholder relationships. We're getting a lot of merging or blurring of the lines. We've really got to go back to the purpose of the business. Cooperatives have a very clear purpose and that is that they are set up to distribute value to their members who are also their owners rather than to accumulate capital. That is typically what a not-for-profit has a purpose to distribute the bulk of its surplus Mm. after operating costs, let's say, back to social goods. Cooperatives are part of that continuum of businesses that deliver social impact. And I think this gives us a really good opportunity to think about people being able to choose the business model that best suits their particular purpose and journey. The distinguishing characteristic of a cooperative is cooperative entrepreneurship. If you are a community of people that have come together, who have a shared need, a common cause. It might be an economic or market injustice that you're trying to overcome, but it also might be a shared purpose, a vision Mm. to do something together, build cooperatively and live in cooperative housing or a shared service cooperative if you're a community of people living with a disability, for example. Cooperatives can be a great solution because it gives everyone in the business common ownership. The ownership part of it is democratic, which is regardless of how much you're using the cooperative, you will always have one vote. One member, one vote is a democratic principle. Rather than saying, start with the cooperative structure, start with what the community wants to do together. Look at the full suite and continuum of business models. And if equity is a really clear purpose of your business together, equity is that shared voice and shared choice. The ability to participate in the decision-making around the business equally, the rewards of the business with equity, and to have a shared sense of purpose, Mm. 
those principles and those values are very much aligned with what people are trying to do together often and a cooperative is an ideal structure. It really is and it's it absolutely works from what I see in so many different circumstances and we were just talking before about Mondragon based in the Basque Country in Spain which is an amazing co-op in itself and here in Brisbane we have the Nunda Co-op which is one of Australia's longest running social enterprises really. We went out there on the bus tour a couple of days ago. When we look at opportunities to grow the social enterprise or cooperative movement in Australia, where do they lie? Tom, there are so many opportunities now, but it's particularly in those areas where the current market or models that are being offered people are very extractive and people want to move towards a more distributive outcome. We've heard a lot of conversation around this yep. at the Social Enterprise World Forum already. And that idea of a distributive economy is starting to catch on. What a great idea. How can we actually create models where you allow that distributive purpose or outcome rather than extractive? A couple of examples digital businesses. We're looking at these platforms that were set up for the sharing economy and we're thinking, well, that didn't work out so much as a sharing outcome. We need to think about models that actually allow the purpose of the digital platform in that case to reward the users. We're seeing fantastic inventive ideas in the digital economy space. Renewable energy, we need a just transition to a renewable energy future. Are people actually going to be able to participate and have the rewards of a greener future or are we just creating another market for yep. extractive industries yep. to come over the top? Our whole affordable housing issue seems to stem from the fact that we have speculative housing at one end, private ownership, yep. and extractive rental housing models at the other. What about a third way? cooperative housing, where the purpose of the housing is to house ourselves affordably, not to speculate on the market. Yes, the third area we're really looking at is sustainable agriculture. Again, who are the owners of the business? What's their purpose and intention in growing greener, more sustainable, regenerative agricultural businesses? Food security is very much tied to domestic ownership. Yep. We need more Australian farm income opportunity as we grow our agriculture or we're going to really lead ourselves to quite scary food security issues down the line. Mm, two huge issues there. Anyone in Australia or worldwide knows that there is a severe housing crisis right now. So really interesting to hear those thoughts there. So what advice would you be giving then to other organisations who are really seeking to embed more impact in their work? I would say the most important thing is to measure your impact so that you make sure it's real and not a marketing yep. exercise. Choosing a measurement framework that genuinely works is absolutely critical. And one framework I'd like to invite people to explore is called mutual value measurement. It's a measurement framework for total value creation in cooperatives and other social enterprises that we've developed as a group of cooperatives coming together. We've asked ourselves two questions. How do we create value through our businesses and how do we measure it? 
Mutual Value Measurement has its own digital presence. MVM Coop is the website and the website explains how six dimensions of mutual value are created in a member-owned business. That's just an example of an impact measurement framework that we know is working with our members and our community. What it does is it creates longitudinally the opportunity to hold yourself accountable to impacts. We're going to have to be as careful as say the listed entities or the public companies around greenwashing, yeah, absolutely. social washing yeah. and governance washing is something we all need to be vigilant against. Absolutely agree. Now, it's a really great point there, Melina. Tell us about some cooperatives. We heard a, a couple earlier, but which ones are really inspiring you? So you're asking me to choose from three million cooperatives. I I know that this is a baby of yours and it's almost like trying to choose your favourite child. (laughs) But surely there are some out there that we can help our audience out with. Current obsessions really inspiring me. Brand new digital economy cooperative called the PAC Music Cooperative. Go online, find them. Amazing group of musicians who've come together because they want their version, alternative, to forms like Spotify, which put the users, the musicians, and the listeners at the centre of the business model. You're (laughs) joking. So I really want to plug this one, because the PAC Music Cooperative gives you an opportunity. If you're a user of music, either an individual listener, or perhaps you've got a lovely social enterprise venue, a cafe or something, and you want to play Australian, First Nations, Indigenous music, content that's produced here plus the rewards of listening to it are going to go back to the musician because the musician are members of the platform so they're not going to be exploited pack music cooperative two amazing new renewable energy cooperatives that are inspiring me on the retail energy cooperative side co-power a partnership between the trade union movement the cooperative structure and the members of the retail users, the consumers of we all need to purchase energy after all, unless we're just using candles. So we need to buy our energy. If we want a business that's genuinely structured to use its surplus to reinvest in more renewable energy solutions, please switch your business over your energy purchasing to co-power. And a corollary of that is on the actual green energy side of things. Haystack Solar Gardens Cooperative. If you're a renter living in Melbourne in an apartment, you can't put uh, solar arrays, you can't afford to put a solar system on your roof, you can purchase a membership of this cooperative and that is going to help to build a solar garden in regional New South Wales and you will be directly purchasing the green energy from the infrastructure that you're a co-owner of. And then we've mentioned, got to give a plug to Nunda. The tagline of Nunda Community Enterprise Cooperative is a role, be a worker in a cooperative, a stake and a fair share. Stake in the fair share bit is what takes the members of Nunda beyond their employment's fabulous, but as co-owners of the business, people who are employed there, the people with living with disability and seeking a fair and equitable employment solutions for themselves are co-owners of the business. They sit on the board, they employ the management, and they are cooperatively or collaboratively responsible in a joined up way for the success of the enterprise. And that is empowering. Yeah, it really is. It's a really, really It, it speaks to their agency. Back to Mondragon, that amazing worker cooperative, 83,000 workers, 
started as one business. So I guess the final thing to say just about these cooperatives is scalability. If you're struggling as a social enterprise to scale, open and democratic membership of cooperatives in their structure can really help. An example of this is called SIWA, the Self-Employed Women's Association, based in India. It has 12 million members. It's huge. And it can scale like that because cooperatives just keep adding to their business reach as each new member joins. What they've been able to do at that scale is have a bank, micro-enterprise funding, they have a university or a training structure. They have this incredible network of women who are individually self-employed entrepreneurs who are networked with each other, supporting each other in the growth of their business, but still keeping their individual autonomy and agency. That's amazing. Some fantastic examples there. And we'll put links through to all of those different organizations in the article. So if you're listening in, just head to impactboom.org and you can find links through to Melina's article. The final question, Melina. Books, resources, what would you recommend to our listeners? Our website is an excellent resource of case studies of stories. Cooperatives have hidden their light under a bushel, as the saying goes in the sector. We need to get better at storytelling. By going to our website, which is bccm.coop, you can actually go to a stories page and find these case studies. We have a podcast. We have videos. That's the best way to learn about cooperatives. Two books I'd really recommend... The wonderful economist called Mariana Mazzucato has written The Value of Everything. Yeah, it's great. And it's not specifically about cooperatives, but it really talks about why capitalism is a broken model. Yeah. What's so inspiring in social enterprises is that we things that are tangible value. If our economy is based just on trading and the exchange value of doing things in that way, we're not creating lasting value. As Mariana points out in her book, so much of what we regard as wonderful public assets have been created in partnership and collaboration between often government or public investment and people's needs. Institutions like libraries and knowledge centres and universities. These are not created by the market. There has to be a shared intent around creating valuable products and services. Finally, a wonderful professor in the US called Nathan Schneider, who's written Everything for Everyone, the radical tradition that is shaping the next economy. Nathan's focus is very much on the digital economy, and he's talking a lot about how cooperatives can ensure that the owners and the users of tech and the next generation of our economy, the people who are going to use and need to be rewarded by this economic transition. There's a lot about how cooperatives can actually be a modern business model, not just a model based in the past. They sound like some great resources and a couple of really good books there too. So, Melina, it's been an absolute pleasure talking today. Thanks so much for your time and for joining us here at the World Forum. Thanks, Tom, and congratulations again. Thank you. I know your hands in this. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.